it's Dr. Narala Jacobi. If you treat SIBO in your clinic and are interested in the causes that entrench chronic or relapsing SIBO, you're invited to my live and online masterclass on preventing SIBO relapse on March 9th as part of the Bioceuticals Clinical Mastery Series. If you want to learn the evidence-based approach I use to manage this condition, reserve your place at bioceuticals.com.au. And welcome to FX Medicine, where we bring you the latest in evidence-based, integrative, functional and complementary medicine. I'm Emma Sutherland. International Women's Day is a global holiday celebrated annually on March the 8th to commemorate the achievements of women. And this year's theme is Break the Bias. As a passionate advocate for women's health, I am marking this International Women's Day by spotlighting some of the excellent women's health-focused podcasts my colleagues and I here at FX Medicine have released over the last few months. Now, sometimes with so much great content out there, it's really hard to zero in on what the key takeouts are. By sharing mine, I really hope you'll learn something new and find additional ways to support women's health in your practice. Here are the clinical practice pearls from my top women's health podcast so far. The first of our clinical pearls come from the episode, Let's Talk HRT, The Secrets of the Women's Healthy Aging Study, with Dr. Michelle Woolhouse and Professor Cassandra Zerke. One of my key clinical pearls from this podcast is the importance of a detailed case history in clinical practice, particularly for women's health. As practitioners, it is so important that we take note of the signs and symptoms of our female clients and undertake an informed risk profile when developing a treatment plan, particularly when, as you know, historically, women have had their symptoms brushed off as being hysterical and they were often not treated. From a practitioner's perspective, it absolutely blows my mind to think that up until 2016, all medical testing was done on male lab rats. This was due to the complexity and variable nature of women's health, the inability to control these variables, and how this may have impacted the outcome for women's health. Now, there is still so much that we can learn from the case-taking process. It is such a critical part of the consultation. The other thing I find about it is that it's very cathartic for women to feel heard. My second clinical pearl from Professor Cassandra Serki is the importance of treating the signs of the menopausal transition, including the common hot flushes. Hot flushes are so often ignored, with women grinning and bearing them without treatment and increasing their risk of heart disease. Women often tend to play down their symptoms. We also know that severity of menopausal symptoms, such as hot flushes, is strongly associated with an increased risk of cardiovascular disease and a reduction of health later in life. Heart disease is the second leading cause of death in women in Australia, and cerebrovascular disease is the third. So being able to gauge these symptoms as practitioners and respond is so important. Finally, my last pearl for this episode was at the end of the episode where Cassandra gave us her healthy ageing tips and the one that stood out the most to me 
was when she was talking about meaning and purpose and connection to community and really how essential it is for our quality of life. I really love this advice and that Cassandra also pointed out that meaning and purpose doesn't have to be a big thing. Rather, it's just the ability to identify the things and the people that make you want to get out of bed in the morning. I mean, when I look at Sophia's happy, smiling face, it really makes me want to get out of bed. When I get emails from patients that are doing well, it really makes me want to get out of bed. So it's about finding that meaning and purpose for yourself. To summarise again, make sure to assess menopausal symptom severity and take a thorough case history and talk to your patients about meaning and purpose in their lives at all stages, but particularly as they get older. My next set of clinical pearls come from the podcast that I did with Rhiannon Hardingham called Interpreting Pathology, Hormones Beyond Fertility and Reproduction. Now, there was so much I learned from this podcast, but let's take DHEA, one of my all-time favourite hormones. It's important to test this as it's a reflection of a woman's adrenal resilience and her chronic stress levels. This is so useful in clinic to test. Look, it's a hormone produced by the adrenals and then is converted across into testosterone. Low levels correlate to the chronic stress picture and this progressive wear and tear on a woman's body. Working on improving levels of DHEA is absolutely critical. Rhiannon's key herb of choice here is tribulus, taken daily for three months. My next clinical pearl also came from this podcast with Rhiannon and was about estrogen dominance. Now, the gold standard assessment for estrogen dominance is two well-timed female blood hormone panels. The first is on day two or three of the menstrual cycle and the second seven days after ovulation during that peak luteal phase. So we are looking for estradiol to be around 100 to 200 on day two to three and then around 600 to 700 during the luteal phase. If a woman has an estradiol level over 700, for example, and her progesterone on the same peak luteal blood test is under 60 and she's exhibiting symptoms of estrogen dominance, then and only then can you say that she is estrogen dominant. So let's drop using this phrase unless we have the clinical evidence for it with these two well-timed blood tests. Another fantastic pearl from this episode was what I call the great Vitex debate. Now, I bet this confuses so many clinicians out there. You use Vitex when you have a low estrogen or low progesterone status. So, for example, premature ovarian insufficiency. Rhiannon also reminded us to think about steroidal saponin-based herbs like Shatavari, Donkwai and Black Cohosh for these low estrogen states. And conversely, when do you not use Vitex? You don't use it if there's any evidence of estrogen dominance, such as endometriosis or PCOS. The outcomes of prescribing Vitex in situations like this could mean an exacerbation of symptoms such as heavy periods, sore breasts, 
irritability. And I know from experience, you will have a very cranky patient. So please ensure that you test for estrogen dominance before you use Vitex. My final set of clinical pearls comes from the podcast that I did with Dr. Nicola Gates, Menopause, Estrogen and the Brain. The importance of estrogen in the brain is unbelievable. I had no idea. It is used in oxygen metabolism in the brain. And did you know that there are more estrogen receptors in the prefrontal cortex than anywhere else in the brain? I didn't know that. And now this is the region involved in reasoning, problem solving, impulse control, and creativity. So the brain actually makes its own estrogen in the hypothalamus. It doesn't simply use systemic estrogen. And that shows us how important estrogen is for brain function. My next little pearl is what I call the multitask dilemma. The type of estrogen we are producing impacts how our brain functions. And a great example of this is during pregnancy. So just to recap and remind you, Estradiol, or E2, is the most common type of estrogen in women of childbearing age, and it's the strongest one. Then we have estriol, or E3, the main estrogen produced during pregnancy. And finally, estrone, or E1, the only estrogen your body makes after menopause, and that's the weakest form of estrogen. Now, due to changes in the type of estrogen produced during pregnancy, We become better at toggling between tasks. This was Nicola's phrase, toggling, which sort of sets us up for parenthood, I guess. But in modern day women, this toggling pattern means a woman thinks she can multitask, but she's simply overburdening herself with mental load. Now, you would see this clinically all the time, I am sure. So just remind your patient of the different forms of estrogen and how they work in the brain. The next one that Nicola brought up is the question, do I have dementia? Now, when the brain is adjusting to lower estrogen levels in menopause, it becomes not only harder to form memories, but actually to retrieve them as well. It's critical to reassure women who think, you know, have I got dementia? I'm only 55 years of age. You need to tell her you are forming those memories. It's the change in estrogen levels causing a change in the enzyme that helps you retrieve that memory. And that's why you're forgetting things. Just remind your patient that this is a temporary situation and it will pass once her brain adjusts to those lower estrogen levels. So as Dr. Nicola Gates reaffirmed, it is a temporary situation. I hope you've enjoyed my key takeaways and practice pearls from some of our most recent episodes. Now I'd really like to hear from you. What's your best piece of health advice for women? You can let us know on FX Medicine's Facebook or Instagram accounts, or you can email us on info at fxmedicine.com.au. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, you can find all the episodes I discussed today, along with show notes, transcripts, all the research and resources from these episodes on our website. 
fxmedicine.com.au. I'm Emma Sutherland, and on behalf of the entire FX Medicine team, happy International Women's Day. We'll see you next week with a brand new podcast. This podcast is intended as healthcare practitioner education only, and it is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment.